When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're asking you on this Giving Tuesday, if you're able, v.org slash donate. Every single dollar you donate, it'll go straight to cancer research. There are 18.1 million cancer survivors in the United States today. I am one of those. All of us. I would imagine all of us. I certainly do. Credit our lives to cancer research, to science, to advancement, to everything that has happened over these last few generations in the cancer community. So it is directly because of all the donations and all the funds and all the work that's been done within the cancer community that I can sit here and argue about the college football playoff rankings with Ian Fitzsimmons, which is what we have been doing today on Amber and Ian. (laughs) And the biggest part is there's no right answer. I mean, it's all subjective. And and this committee, they have the, the most daunting and hardest and most difficult task that they've ever had since the college football playoff was instilled, and even going back to the formulas in 1998 when the BCS was in, and we, we were using computers. We've never seen seven, and if you want to throw in Ohio State, which the committee did, I think Ohio State's too high, you know, coming in at, what, sixth by the committee standards. But you're looking at, you know, by the committee, eight teams that are still alive going into championship weekend. Amber, we have never seen Six, much less eight before. This this is uncharted territory, and I don't envy them one bit because if Bama beats Georgia and Texas wins and Florida State wins, and then who the hell knows with the game we have here on ESPN Radio with Mark Kestershire and Kelly Stauffer along with you know Fowler and Herb Street and Holly Rowe on the TV side on Friday night in the Pac-12 title game. I mean, if Oregon beats Washington, and they're a nine-point favorite on ESPN bet, let that sink in. A nine-point fa- – Oregon is favored by nine. One loss, Oregon, against an undefeated Washington. And that was a three-point game, remember, you know, with, with some questionable you know, fourth-down decisions by Dan Landing, head coach at Oregon, in that game. Man, it, it, chaos has not happened yet, but could it happen on the final weekend? Maybe, because I know this. The committee was – if I'm on that committee – I was a big Washington State fan, I was a big Auburn fan, and I was a big Florida fan, and damn, it was close to eliminating three teams. Didn't happen. That's why we're sitting here having this, you know, remarkably heated yet spirited and educated debate about who is right now deserving in the penultimate rankings for the college football playoff. Well, let's bring some other people into the debate. We love when you chime into the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. Jeff is calling us from Maui. Hey, Jeff, thanks for the phone call. What do you have for us on Alabama? Jeff, I know you're all the way in Hawaii, bud. But I want to go to there? Hawaii. All right, we're moving on from Jeff. He's too busy living up life on those black sand beaches in Maui. I don't blame you. Troy is calling us from Colorado. It's a lot colder in Colorado than Maui this time of year, so maybe Troy is stuck inside calling us. Hey, Troy, are you there? Yes, I am. I'm staying warm. Okay, well, good. I appreciate that. Uh, What do you have for us on Florida State? 
Um, well, my, my problem is that, again, you look at the resume, but you look at the uh, conference games. Um, the ACC, the highest two teams in the standings they played were number five and number seven. So they never really played anybody. Now, next weekend or this weekend, when they play Louisville, who's number two in the standings, that should tell us a lot. But, uh, but you know, Florida State has not played anybody, really. Right. Thanks, Troy. And that is the knock against FSU is the strength of schedule. And Ian, I always have a hard time with that one because they can only play who is on their schedule, right? I mean, they can only play who is put in front of them. And we're not talking about some weak conference or, or like some little guy, right? And we're not, we're not talking about... I, the lesser conferences here, we're talking about an FBS power five ACC school. So to punish them, so to speak for losing their quarterback and for the teams on their schedule, not ending up being so great. It, it, it feels a bit, I guess it, I don't know why it feels unfair to me. Cause again, I hate the Seminoles. But it feels <laughs> well, it, it's look, it goes back to what Reese Davis was talking about last week, where, you have to factor in the Jordan-Travis aspect. And even though when I talked to Boo Corrigan last week, we were off on Tuesday, but I did our normal interview with him, uh, you know, and he said Jordan-Travis was not a – they really don't factor that in on, on the committee. And, I, and I, we kind of went back and forth on that. How do you not? He's one of the best players in all of college football, and he's your leader. So, I mean, it's that was one that was uh, – it kind of was a head-scratcher to me. But, again, I'm not knocking Florida State. I think they're one of the best teams in – college football I just would not have them right now without Jordan Travis having seen them in person it was an impressive win against Florida because Billy Napier's got Florida on the rise I mean you better get him now because the the Gators are on the rise I'm a big fan of Billy Napier but right now I would not have them in the top four because they are missing Jordan Travis It, it just didn't look like the same team Another caller from Colorado Paul is calling us from Denver I hear you're a Florida State alum Paul go ahead yeah, man, thanks for the call. Uh, I just want to know, why are we even playing the games? If all we're looking at is a, is a beauty contest, we're, all we're looking at is power rankings, why, what wins don't even matter anymore. Losses don't even matter anymore. So, I mean, I understand we're looking for the best teams, but if we're just going by who we think would beat who, why don't we just use Vegas, uh, Vegas, uh, let Vegas decide, decide it for us? Dude, hey, wins I, I'm with matter. you. Hey, hey, I am in step. I have said that for years. It will never happen. But any, if anybody knows college and pro football better than the than the, the big money books in Vegas and ESPN bet, nobody knows it better. But, look, again, I would have Texas over Alabama because they did play the game. They did. So that's why I, love part, that argument. I would have Texas I wanna- over Bama. I love that argument, though, because he's right. Why even bother to play the game? We're just going to decide that who's best, right? We could do that at the beginning of the season. But let's bring in some help with this conversation about the college football playoff rankings that have caused so much controversy already tonight on Amber and Ian Boo Corrigan, college football playoff selection committee chair and the North Carolina State Athletic Director joining us here on Amber and Ian Boo. Thanks, as always, for your time. So much controversy. Let's just start with the four undefeated at the top of these rankings. How did the committee come to that decision? You know, as we have all uh, my three years on the committee and, uh, you know, seven years before that, much debate, uh, much evaluation, um, looking at statistical 
piece of it, looking at the games, looking at everything that we can to come up with what we believe uh, are the right rankings and we feel good about number one, number two, number three, number four. Boo, I said this earlier and I'll say it again. Washington State, Florida, Auburn almost helped you guys have a much easier task. <laughs> Instead, here you are with seven, maybe eight teams that have a, a, a beef as to being one of the top four. So in all your years, have you? do you remember a time when you had this many teams that were had a legit, a legit gripe to be a part of the college football playoff coming into championship weekend? You know what? It's the beauty of college football this year, right? We got a ton of great teams. We got a ton of great uh, student athletes out there competing and great coaches and fan bases and everything else. I mean, what what an exciting time. The answer is no. You know, of course, it's my last year as a chair. So, of course, this is what happens. Of course. You know, as, as, as we get into it. But, no, I mean, man, what, what's better than this? You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you got all these teams that are competing and competing at such a high level, and we get the opportunity to be a part of the selection. I, by the way, and I've said it all night, and I'll say it again to you, I could not disagree more with with Florida State being in there. So what was it about Florida State because to me, it's not about deserving, it's about best. And I, I do not believe right. right now without Jordan Travis, they're one of the best teams in college football. Why did the committee well, have cert- them still in there? Yeah, they're certainly a different team, right, than what they are, but they continue to win games. And, you know, there's nothing easy about winning down in Gainesville. There's nothing easy about, you know, the rivalry games and, and kind of where you let off, right, with, with Washington State, you know, in, in Florida, et cetera. You, you know, but, you know, Tate Rodemaker uh, made plays. Trey Benson scores three touchdowns. The defense gives up 13 points. I mean, you know, really good team. And as we think, I think we talked about it last week, you know, there's 84 other scholarship players on that team that are out there playing, that know how to play, and, you know, they got some dudes, as I like to say. They definitely have some dudes. Boo Corgan, College Football Playoff Selection Committee Chair, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Uh, we disagree, Ian and I, about the Florida State factor, and I'm saying that as a Gators fan. But, Boo, I am curious. You mentioned there the rivalries. At Florida, even though that's that's my school, that's my team, not the best season, right? Washington State, not the best team in the world. Auburn, not the best team in the world this year, and those were some close games. How much do you consider the rivalry factor? Like, do you give that nod to Florida State a little bit more because although yeah Florida's not that excellent it's a huge rivalry and they get the win even if it's close well I mean again you can look up and down you know uh, our rankings this week and you've got Mississippi and Mississippi State right another rivalry game where where these young people grew up together right we're probably recruited by both teams it's different you know, it's just a different kind of game. And I think looking at it, you know, to, to us, as we looked at it, that was part of the Oregon-Oregon State and Oregon's ability to win the game the way they did. But, you know, to to look at that and say, you know, that's like every other game, I don't think that's a fair analysis, nor, nor did the committee. Boo, in the back of your mind, not in the room, but just you personally, how much have you thought about, all right, if Bama beats Georgia, and if Texas does win, and, and, and you know if, if Florida State beats Louisville, 
Holy mother. Right come Sunday. How much have you thought about that just as an individual, not as a committee chair? You know, Matt, brother, I'm excited about it, you, you, you know, because, you know, college football always delivers, right? You, you, you know, and the games are decided on the field. They're not decided on, you know, phone calls and and those things. It's going to be decided on the field. And, you know, I'm excited for all 13 of us to be together, to be able to watch the games, to be able to talk about each game, you know, as they're ending and make sure that we're getting everyone's opinion on where we are at that point in time and then ultimately – you know, at noon on Sunday, be able to make some decisions. What was the biggest bone of contention when it came to figuring out one through eight? Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news! Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I don't know that there was a, you know, bone of contention, Ian, as you're looking at it, but, you know, there's, I think we talked about last week, you know, the debate's getting stronger, right? The opinions are getting stronger in, in what we're doing and understanding the importance, you know, of, of these decisions that we're making. But it is, you know, talked about early in the day and then, you know, before we adjourn for the, for the evening, uh, on Monday, we get back together to make sure that we talk about um, all the places where people have questions and then come back again this morning and go over it again. Boo, and, and I'm, sure I'm voting for you for president. Right. That is the most political answer you've ever given. I mean, <laughs> that is a, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind there was an argument in there, but I mean, God bless you, man. I mean, you're, 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 you're toting the party line. I give you full that's how credit. It's done. Well done. That is well how done, it's Commissioner. Done. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. So I'm, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say there were two fist fights and someone got thrown through a wall. Right. Here we go. go. Now that's I believe you. That's what Ian wanted. Uh, Boo Corrigan, yeah, college football <laughs> playoff selection committee chair, North Carolina State Athletic Director, Party Line Walker. Thanks so much, Boo. Great Hang in there. Y'all. Hang in there, Boo. Talk Amen. to you next week. <laughs> Coming up next here on Amber Ooh. and Ian. More reaction to the college football playoff rankings. You can keep your phone calls coming. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's so huge, too, Ian. I don't know how familiar with charities you are, but you always have to be careful. My daughter? Right. Well, you always have to be careful about like where your money's actually going with these charities because they ain't all the same. And the V Foundation is an A++ charity where they make sure 
every cent that you donate actually goes to where you want it to go, which is the cancer research. So no, you're not funding, you know, some CEO salary for millions of dollars. Some of the other problems that some of these other charitable organizations have. Lining their pockets have. with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's amen. none of that here. Yeah. Uh, so I, if you want to donate, if you're able to donate, again, 100%, every single cent that you donate at v.org slash donate, you can feel confident it's going to the right places. It was founded in 1993. We all know about Jimmy V's speech. We will hear it a little bit later in the show tonight on Amber and Ian. But since 1991, the overall cancer death rate has decreased by 33%. So 3.8 million fewer cancer deaths during that time period. Millions and millions and millions of lives saved my life being one of those lives because I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 32 years old. My father's life being one of those lives. He's had cancer multiple times over with prostate and melanoma. And then there are the lives that don't end up with us, but also inspire just as much. My mother died of brain cancer when I was eight months pregnant with my son. She never got to meet her grandson. Uh, it was terrible to watch her go through. And that experience, just seeing that, how terrible, that, how terrible and aggressive. I mean, it was eight months from the time she got diagnosed to the time that we lost her. Her fighting that cancer. My grandmother died, her mother, uh, two months later from lung cancer, even though she hadn't smoked in her life. So just so much cancer in my family, frankly. It has touched my lives in a way I, I hope that it has not touched yours uh, or anyone's out there. But it does touch us all in some way. So v.org slash donate if you are able. We are arguing a lot over college football. Oh, not arguing, show. debating. Arguing. Arguing. That's the okay. attorney no, in None you. of us are it, arguing over the V Foundation. It's, it's, it's a, a beautiful debate. giving Tuesday. Come on. Come on. Now we're arguing over college football, though, whenever it comes up. We love when you join the argument. Triple H, say ESPN. Jeff is trying to call us again from Maui. Should I give Jeff another shot here? I mean, maybe Absolutely. the phone line. Everything that happened in, in Maui. Hawaii. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, he's far away. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for the call back. What do you have for us? Oh, geez, I'm sorry, Amber, but I have to agree 100% with Fitzy on this. And the guy from Colorado, the previous caller, stole my thunder. I think part of the committee should be the guys in Vegas, the bookies in Vegas. I mean, the most compelling argument I heard last year was Coach Saban, before the Final Four started, he said, look, what would the odds be right now if Alabama went up against any of these teams? They would have been the favorite. It's not the most deserving or who should have been, or whose schedule is this, or whose schedule is that. It's it's the four best teams, like Fitzy said. I don't know if it's Alabama, full transparency. I love college football. I don't have an allegiance to any of these teams. So I'm just saying they should bring in the, the bookies and let them have a say in, in the committee. Uh, I, the problem with that is then why bother playing the games? Like in the preseason, we could go, all right, Alabama, FSU, and we'll throw in a Michigan and – and then we'll decide on the fourth team. Like, let's, you know, we don't even need to play the games then if we're just going to slot in Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Ohio State. Well, bada bing, bada saying. boom. We just got our four. It could be four. That, those could be the four forevermore. We don't actually have to have a college football season. That, I don't think that's what he was saying at all. And but that's what I hate about that argument. But <laughs> one, the, the bookmakers will never, ever, ever be in charge of deciding the best teams, even though they have a better angle and, and 
for some reason, well, more intimate knowledge of, of who are the best teams. But, like, for, for instance, Texas to me, if Texas beats Oklahoma State, and I don't think Alabama is going to beat Georgia. I want to emphasize that again. I, but, I, but in that world where if Alabama does pull off another miracle and they are able to beat Georgia, that's a committee's worst nightmare. And we just talked to Boo Corgan, committee chair, kind of about that very thing. But Texas, to me, they beat Bama on the field. If they are, and having, again, served on that mock committee twice, strength of schedule, head-to-head conference championships are three of the biggest and most weighted aspects of deciding who is in and who is out. Well, Texas beat Alabama head-to-head, and if both are conference champions, you can't leave Texas out and have Bama in. Now, again, I think Georgia beats Bama, but if Bama were to somehow upset the number one team in the country, have again, have an open bar with the finest spirits in the world because they're going to need it to try and figure out that damn thing because it's going to get nasty in there. But, you know, to your point, Amber, why play the game? You do play the game for a reason, and the committee does factor and weigh heavily head-to-head. And I give you the prime example. Baylor TCU in the very first college football playoff rankings. Remember... TCU and Baylor went toe-to-toe. It was a very close, controversial ending, but the team that won the game on the field ended up being the team that was elevated over the other. Why? Because head-to-head matters. Head-to-head Head-to-head matters. Uh, things could get real interesting with some of these head-to-heads headed our way. Headed our way right now, though, on Amber and Ian. Jim Valvano made history with that speech. We'll reminisce. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. It's a heck of a day, and that was a hell of a speech by Jimmy V all those years ago on this Giving Tuesday. We ask you here at ESPN Radio to donate if you're able, v.org slash donate. And in that speech, Ian, if you'll remember, and Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you here on Amber and Ian, Jimmy V went on to say, we need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. We are starting the Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research, and that he did in 1993. And then that portion of that speech 
came true. He may not have even known how true his words were when cancer research helped save the life of his daughter. And we are fortunate to have his daughter, Jamie Valvano, joining us here on Amber and Ian. And Jamie, I, I know you're you're a breast cancer survivor. I read that you inherited the BRCA2 gene from your father. With those words, you were there that night when you heard him give that speech. I'm, her- I'm sure you've heard it a billion times, uh, like the rest of us have, that incredible speech. What does it mean to know that his words actually ended up ringing true? How did that help you with your own cancer fight? Well, uh, thank you for inspiring me with listening to all of that. I just have to kind of wipe away the tears. Um, it is just amazing to think back, you know, 30 years ago, me sitting in the audience at the inaugural SBs and hearing him say those words. And a lot of people don't know that he didn't have any note cards or teleprompters or anything kind of guiding him. And he just prophetically kind of spoke those words that kind of came from his heart and his soul. He wanted so much to give uh, the rest of us hope. And at the time I was, you know, only 20 years old. So I never really thought that those words were going to have such a special meaning to me. But uh, 13 years after losing my dad, uh, indeed, I was, as you said, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33, and I had two young boys, and I just, you know, couldn't imagine um, that doing this without my dad. He wasn't there to kind of support me and cheer me on, and so there was this moment where I really kind of gave up. I just felt like, you know, this is too hard. There's no way that I can survive, and it was those very words from that speech that planted a seed inside of me. And, um, you know, I've just been taking my dad along this journey and kind of walking in the footsteps that he has left us in his legacy because he's given us a game plan for how not only, you know, me, but so many other people that are impacted by cancer can survive. You know, Jamie, I, I try to leave my daughters with, with one thing that they can remember me by. I mean, that, that's my goal. Just give me, <laughs> just let, let me give them one thing that they can go yeah that's my dad 30 yeah, years yeah. later we're still talking mm-hmm. about that speech what does that uh, if you can put that into words as a daughter what's that mean to you you know i i i was on a call yesterday uh with some wonderful people from espn and they were telling me about all of the things that were going to go on during the 17th annual v week and when i got off the phone I just remember I just said aloud um, into the room, you know, Dad, did you have any idea that this was where we were going to be 30 years later? And, um, you know, I, I think he would just be I, – I picture him running around after cutting down those nets, after winning the national championship, and um, the energy and the passion that he had for sports, I know that he would be just as excited and passionate about the work that we're doing at the V Foundation. So as a daughter, I am just extraordinarily proud of the courage that it took for him to stand on that stage and be so vulnerable um, when he physically was so sick. And But as a cancer survivor, it takes on a whole new meaning because I've sat across from a doctor who has said, you know, you have cancer and all that you want in that moment is for the doctor set to say, and here's what we're going to do to um, to make it so that you can survive and watch your, your boys uh, grow to men. And so, you know, really a day doesn't go by that I don't thank my dad for, again, leaving us a game plan. Um, when you give money to the V Foundation, 100% 
that goes to cancer research, and I meet the doctors that are doing that research. And so I am just astounded that not only the foundation is still raising money and we're still talking about this speech, but that a basketball coach somehow set in motion a way to fund quality, life-saving cancer research. And that is just such a gift. Yeah, he was a heck of a coach, too. His legacy would have lived on in this world of sports, regardless of the V Foundation or his own cancer battle. But with creating the mm-hmm. V Foundation, uh-huh. it's awarded $353 million in research grants up to this point. Those have been used to fund all cancer types at cancer centers and other exceptional cancer research institutions. The V Foundation has done, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars have gone to this mm-hmm. cause, all started, of course, by Jamie Valvano's father, Jamie Valvano, daughter of Jim Valvano, joining us here on ESPN Radio. Jamie, you and I both got diagnosed with breast cancer around the same time in our early Mm. 30s. I was 32. You were 33. Through that process, I also, I I didn't have BRCA, but I have a a really, a more rare genetic mutation, very similar Mm -hmm. to BRCA, similar risks called ATM. Tell me a little bit about your journey, what I think, because we focus so much on, on not just survival. And I think if you haven't had cancer, maybe you don't understand sort of all the things that go into cancer mm-hmm. along the way mm-hmm. during your battle. How have you seen cancer research, whether it's the BRCA diagnosis, what you actually went through in terms of treatment? Mm-hmm. How have you seen cancer research play out from a personal perspective in your life? Well, I think that it's really important to note that when my dad was diagnosed, we didn't even know he had the gene. There, it, it had not even been discovered yet. So just the very fact that that discovery had been made in the 13 years since he had been diagnosed, it increased my chances of survival, oh gosh, you know, infinitely, because right away they could do a test and say, wait a minute, there's a genetic predisposition that makes you more susceptible to breast cancer, ovarian cancer, many other forms of the disease. So just that little bit. Um, It was a miracle to me because I found the cancer myself and then I was able to go to the doctor and get genetic testing and they were able to set a course of treatment that would increase my chances of survival. And so I am alive today because of cancer research, because when my dad was diagnosed, they couldn't, they, they didn't know anything about this gene. And so cancer research does save lives. It helps us obviously to, um, to screen earlier, to know our history um, and to know those genetics, and then really for those doctors to be able to personalize um, the cancer research, and I think that's kind of the future of where we're going. And my dad always loved an underdog, and so one of the things he wanted to do was to get the money in the hands of the scientists that were doing the quality research and that were discovering those breakthroughs. And so that's what we've always done is we've awarded those grants directly to scientists that are in in the, in the lab doing the work. And I think that what my dad taught me, and I think we all can relate to this as sports fans, is that, you know, we really don't accomplish anything extraordinary on our own. But it's my dad, he, he as a coach, always felt that a united team could accomplish what he could not do alone. He needed to be surrounded by a team of people. And that's really how he dealt with his cancer diagnosis as he asked people to come alongside him and be on the, the board of directors and to help form the V Foundation and then the ESPN has kind of continued that and creating a huge team that we now have. And so in my own diagnosis, I know, as you can relate, um, I wasn't ever alone, but I always had a team of people, whether it was doctors, nurses, family members, 
loved ones that were surrounding me. And so when I kind of grew weary and, you know, wasn't able to have that hope, there were people that were around me. And so that's really, I think, what has helped us be successful in the V Foundation in my own life as I face challenges, those people that are listening, anybody who's going through a hardship, even if it isn't cancer, we have to be able to rally other people around us for that um, united vision that we have for our life. And that's really what my dad taught me as a coach is that, you know, we're not going to do anything in isolation. And when we experience experience those victories, we want to be able to have our team around us to celebrate. And so it was really because of the team at the V Foundation that my dad had created that allowed me to get the care that I needed and, um, you know, to, to experience those breakthroughs that have occurred and to thrive past this diagnosis. V.org slash donate. That is how you donate to the V Foundation. We're 100%. Every single cent goes directly to mm-hmm. cancer research. Jamie, thank you for all the work that you've done through the V Foundation. And thank you also for sharing your cancer story. Thank you for sharing yours and um, hope we can share a hug soon as, as fellow survivors. I really appreciate you um, and everybody at ESPN for the support and for allowing us to, to continue on this, uh, my dad's legacy. I love Jamie, that. Thanks so much. Jamie, Bye. God bless you. And, 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 and uh, Amber, I was going to ask her uh, if there's one memory about her dad that was embarrassing <laughs> as hell. Right, cause, embarrassing. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I, I do that to my kids. Every like uh, last Christmas. Oh, Jamie, you still here? She's here. Yes, I'm go. Here. So, so hey, last Christmas, I came out cooking Christmas breakfast. No shirt, Santa, Santa hat on, Santa pants. Yeah. Right, cooking breakfast. Yep. Skinned off up top, and my kids are like, "Oh my god, Dad, no, no, oh, we no, did. don't." My dad so, used to. We were ballerinas growing up, and so my dad used to embarrass us by. You know, it had not had not fully clothed, and he would be doing ballet turns and things, and and we would just look at him and say, you know, stay in your lane, Dad. You're you're <laughs> you're better on the basketball court. But yes, he always he embarrassed us quite often, and um, we miss his his laughter and his sense of humor was probably one of his greatest gifts. Like That's every good best. parent embarrassing their children. Yes. Uh, absolutely, we all That's do it. Best, we all Jamie. do it. Jamie right. Valvano, thanks so much, Jamie. Thanks so much. Bye. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Aaron Rodgers is a big fan of Dak Prescott. We'll get into that. Amber and Ian is on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is also Shirtless. on the ESPN app. <laughs> Skinned off. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. At the voice of Dick Vitale, Dick Vitale also started the Pediatric Cancer Fund as part of the V Foundation. Dick Vitale continues to be a champion 
for the V Foundation's pediatric cancer research efforts. The V Foundation has awarded over $84 million in pediatric cancer research grants in the past year. Almost $17 million and 24 grants were awarded. Those grow directly to cancer research that helps save the lives of children. And who are who are living with cancer. I mean, it's it's the absolute worst of it, the stuff that Dickie V does. And then, of course, Dickie V also just went through his own cancer battle that he was so kind to share if you follow Dickie V on social media. So we are we are raising funds on this Giving Tuesday for the V Foundation. V.org slash donate is how you donate to cancer research where every single cent goes to cancer research, to advancement, to saving lives, to saving the lives of children, to saving the lives of adults, and for making lives so much easier for those battling cancer. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and at Progressive.com. I'm going to move on to the NFL MVP in just a second, but Dick Vitale saying there, Ian, that you've got to give oncologists a fighting chance. When I had cancer, I mean, people just don't know how much these oncologists care and, and how hard their jobs are. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine. And when you have cancer, you, you have an entire team of doctors. I don't, I don't know if people realize how it works and how complicated cancer can be and what you have to navigate as a cancer patient. But you have your med, like for me with breast cancer, you have your medical oncologist and my surgeon oncologist and my radiologist oncologist. And there's so many people on your team. I think I had something like 12 or 13 doctors uh, just on my team alone. At Moffitt Cancer Research and T- or at Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, that were just assigned to my case, and that's how they handle every single patient at all of these major cancer hospitals. And after one of my surgeries that was supposed to, and I had a double mastectomy and reconstruction, I've been very, very open about my breast cancer journey at just 32 years old, and I had a bunch of surgeries after that. And one of them, they were supposed to clear my cancer margins, which would have meant that I was cancer-free, technically, that they could have actually declared me cancer-free. And I woke up from the anesthesia, and they had not been able to clear my cancer margin. She couldn't get it because it was so delicate what they were doing. And, and you're talking, you know, millimeters. Oh. And, and so I woke up, and my surgeon oncologist had to break the news to me that I am not cancer-free yet. And she was crying as she did it. And it was the only time I'd ever seen an oncologist, because I mean, they're normally gangsters because they have to be, because goodness, I mean, imagine what they do for a living. But just the emotion in it and how hard her job is and how much she wanted in that moment to be able to tell me that she had gotten me cancer-free and she couldn't. And it was remarkable to see her show that emotion. And then she revealed she gets it because she too is, is a breast cancer survivor herself. Not only had she dedicated her life to it, but she had been through it and she knew the hell and she knew how hard it was. And uh, anyways, it, hearing Dickie V just reference the oncologist, it reminded me of that. But that's who we're helping and who we're arming with science and research through the V Foundation. God bless you and, and and everyone who's gone through it. I lost my grandfather to it. Um, had a lot of friends. Obviously, George Carls, a dear friend of mine, who uh, who went through it not once but twice. And he you know jokes about it, like saying that you know he with he and his son Kobe that you know that they never pay for a round of golf again because they're they're just you know playing in in, in cancer tournaments and fundraisers. You know, and and you have to be a bit lighthearted when you come out on the other end. But to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, to all those people that that are behind the scenes, I mean, you have a, you, you have your offensive line, your D line. I mean, they're all mm-hmm. they're all there with you, and yep. 
I'll never forget my, my grandfather. I mean, he, he, he never shed a tear and, uh, those doctors. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. my grandfather was more of a dad than, than I could ever be. He taught me how to hit a curveball and catch a punt and you name it. So, um, yeah, he lost him too early. And, and you know, that, that's why days like today and nights like tonight, I, I mean so much to to people like yourself who you, I, I have not fought that battle. Um, you know, and if that beast comes after me, I'm going to kick its ass like you did, but Yep. Um, God you bless are. you for, for the, the fight that, that anybody like yourself has gone through. Yeah. I mean, the teams, uh, you know, my, my mother had uh, brain cancer. Uh, she passed away. She was treated Emory. So I, in Atlanta. So, you know, I saw that cancer hospital, got to know those doctors. My father, when he had cancer, uh, he was treated. He's a survivor multiple times over at MD Anderson in Houston. I have been around the block. All of these oncologists, they're incredible. Everybody who works in the cancer community, but they do need your help to continue to save lives. V.org slash donate. Let's move on to the NFL MVP conversation, a much lighter topic, a passionate conversation, though, for some folks, nonetheless, I am one of those folks because in this award on this year should not be going to a quarterback. There is no standout quarterback this year. They've all got their flaws. Now, Dak. Jalen, Mahomes, they're all at the top of the list. But who should be at the top of the list is completely different positions on that field. The Miles Garrett, the Miles Garretts of the world, right? The Watts of the world. CMC, you should not have to just give this award to a quarterback in this year more than I think any other year that I remember. Well, I mean, if you're really going to go to the best player in all of football, I mean, Aaron Donald should have already been one. Right. Trent Williams at one point should have been one. I mean, you go to the Heisman Trophy also, right? Like Warren Sapp yeah. should have been a Heisman Trophy winner. Orlando Pace should have been a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, we, we can go on down the list. It's not the most, it's not the best player when it comes to the Heisman. It's not the best player when it comes to the NFL MVP. It's the most glorious and glamorous player. And I, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said, Amber, but I will say this about Dak because he's gone through hell and back especially last year. I mean, it, it, that was rough living in Dallas, Texas. And, you know, it, it, and I, I've known Dak going back to his days in Mississippi state, that dude, if he throws a pick, it grates on him like fingernails on a chalkboard. And right now you look at his stats and forget. I mean, it's the eyeball test and the numbers. I mean, he's second in completion percentage only behind Brock, Brock Purdy. He's second in touchdowns, only behind Josh Allen. He's sixth in total yards passing. I mean, the guy is he's playing at an elite level. I mean, and and you look at his last, what, eight games, what is he, 14 touchdowns and two picks? And Aaron Rodgers talked about it earlier on, on, on McAfee's show. I mean, he, he just loves the way he's wa- watching Dak play, and he sees a different player where even in his cadence, you know, I mean, it's he's a different dude right now, so – if, if there is one guy that I would say is in the hunt that I would love to see be there in the end, just from a personal standpoint, it's Dak Prescott because he's a great guy and he's playing at an elite level. People have Jalen at the top of the rankings. When you pull the stats, I mean, it doesn't even compare. Dak's numbers are so much better this season, second in QBR in the NFL. Coming up next, we talk to Jalen Ford, Texas linebacker.